This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Living life, man. We're getting by in another killer NFL weekend, so I'm doing all right right now. My uh, my bets haven't quite been hitting. The wallet's hurting, but that's exactly what we love out of football season. Yeah, exactly. Two weeks in, 0-2 in fantasy. Uh, you know what it is. It's it's the usual type of stuff. Um, but hey, great week of football. I'm excited to uh, unpack it all, but as always, we're going to start things off as usual. Jersey Corner, number 41. Why don't you take us away? Yeah, I'd love to take it away. And we had a uh, actually a, a really awesome jersey corner. Number 41 was, was surprisingly good. Uh, we hit kind of a slow stretch in those upper 30s, but 41, definitely a good one here. Um, so I got two honorable mentions that I'll throw out. First one is Tom Seaver, legendary Mets pitcher. Um, got his number 41 retired by the net by the Mets. And uh, a lot of people forget that 69 World Series. Uh, Tom Seaver, man, uh, just a great pitcher all around, great player, Hall of Famer. So well-deserving of the, uh, the shout-out. Absolutely. 69, man, that's all all Seaver right there. Um, also got to give a shout-out, Wes Unseld, um, probably the best Washington Wizard of all time. Uh, he was actually a bullet for most of his career, so before they were the Wizards, but... Uh, he was an MVP as a rookie. Only him and Wilt Chamberlain have done that. He also won a championship. And now what's really cool about that situation, Wes Unseld Jr., his son, uh, just got uh, picked to be the next head coach of the Washington Wizards. So no coming up this season, uh, the best wizard of all time, son, now the coach of the Wizards. So pretty cool situation there. Wes Unseld, Tom Seaver, those are my honorable mentions. So Wes Unseld, um, best bullet wizard ever is bradley beal how close is he to eclipsing him beal's probably third i'd say right now um we've got agent zero in there as well gilbert arenas is is probably number two on that list and uh beal's probably knocking on that door for third Mm -hmm. don't forget about uh john wall and and russell westbrook as well yeah I i don't know if westbrook quite got the time in but uh wall's up there as well for sure man people forget how good john wall was uh how good he still is, man. He could still make a difference somewhere. It looks like he's getting traded pretty soon, so yeah. we'll see. Cool. Well, you're going with uh, Wes Unseld and, and our guy Tom Seaver. Great year back in 69, as your honorable mentions. I'm going to go uh, with a couple. This one may come out of right field for you. Uh, with Dirk Nowitzki uh, at 41, he's an honorable mention for me. Possibly the best foreign-born uh, NBA basketball player ever. Um, and then another guy who made my list too, he's up there as being one of the better foreign born basketball players ever. Kelly Olenek, the Canadian, (laughs) um, you know, we've seen him make a career as a, as more of a role player, but, uh, Hey, he's got skilled almost as much as Dirk, I would say. So Kelly, <laughs> Kelly's going to make my list. And then uh, my final honorable Hold mention. Up. That, that is so disrespectful, bro. I'm not going to lie. Kelly Olenek should never be in the same 
conversation is Dirk. I'll let you continue. What do you mean? They're both foreign-born basketball players that wore 41. Yeah, but you said he was almost as skilled as Dirk. <laughs> I'm just going to forget you said that. All right, Go he's ahead. not as good of a shooter or passer uh, or handler for that matter. But, hey, he gets more physical, I would say. <laughs> yeah, he may be a little quicker on the defensive end. I'll give you that. All right. All right. That's, <laughs> that's why he makes the list, man. He's a hustler. Um, and then my final, my final honorable mention is, uh, the longtime Cleveland Indian, Carlos Santana, he's in his first year with uh, my Royals. It's been a pleasure to watch him all season. Uh, great glove at first base, and um, the guy just knows how to get on base. Uh, re- respect him um, in every sense of the term. Great, great outing this year. I hope we're able to, to keep him for, for years to come. Yeah, those are some good ones, although I do not agree with that <laughs> Kelly Olynyk pick. My winner is the guy you compared him to. It's Dirk, hands down, the best athlete to wear 41. I don't know who you're going to say your winner is, but you're wrong. It is Dirk. He, he's the greatest European player of all time. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't quite call him the greatest foreign-born player of all time. I think that belongs to Hakeem. Um, but Dirk's right up there. He, he's definitely a top five power forward of all time. Definitely a top 20 player of all time. Um, and honestly, one of the, the best things about Dirk's career is that 2011 finals run. That may be one of the best, you could call, uh, rings that anyone's won in the past decade. Um, that was not a super team. They destroyed the first year of the Heatles. Um, and it was really cool because Dirk is the only player to play 21 seasons for the same team, all of them in Dallas. He was an MVP back in 07. 14 all-star games and for him to get that one ring in 2011 was so cool um and definitely cemented him as the best to wear number 41 yeah hey i uh i'm not gonna slander Dirk any more <laughs> than i already have uh definitely the most accomplished player to, to put on the 41 threads um he's the man and, and i agree with all, all your points but uh, the way I looked at uh, the question is the best athlete ever to wear uh, the jersey number 41. Um, and I'm going a different direction. I'm going with my man Alvin Kamara. Um, you know, the balance, the versatility he's got as a running back and a pass catcher. Um, breaking tackles, finding a way, just never going down, and always finding the end zone. Got a nose for the end zone. Uh, he's got the swag to the grills. Uh, he, he does it all, and, and really when I think 41, uh, I think Kamara. It's, it's really undeniable, so uh, I'm going with Alvin as my best to, to do it at 41. I like the pick, but I will say he only got me seven fantasy points last week. You're managing the wrong way, man. you got to be a better fantasy manager. Yeah, all right, all right. Point taken, you are right. But Kamara, at the end of the day, uh, there's a reason I picked him third overall in my fantasy draft. I was pumped to get him there. Um, and, and he is definitely one of the best athletes, one of the best players in the NFL right now. So love that pick, man. We got Kamara and Dirk as the best to ever do it in the 41 Uni. Yep, that'll do it. Uh, so we're going to recap week two, uh, but got a word over from our friends at Shug's Bagels first. This episode of Point of Drew is brought to you by the one, the only, Shug's Bagels. Turned by many as the new breakfast of champions, Shugs will be open all week long, serving up their famous bagels, rolls, wraps, and burritos. What? Yeah, you heard me, burritos. Go check out their new special, Miguel's Burrito. Spicy chorizo, golden hash browns, 
juicy peppers and onions, and pepper jack cheese all snugged up in one of their delicious wraps. Go show them some love on social media, at Shug's Bagels, and pay them a visit in Park City's Village right near SMU campus. Shug's Bagels, the new breakfast of champions. All right, week two, it's in the books, and we had some fire-ass games, man. We had a really good slate of games, especially that afternoon slate, but where I wanted to start is the night game, the Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. I'm just going to let you take it away first. Give us your, your thoughts, your reaction to the game, what went down. Oh, man, that one hurt. Um, that one really hurt. I thought the Chiefs... Although they didn't play their best game, I thought they did enough to win. Um, and unfortunately, that's not uh, that's not how the game ended. Uh, the Ravens get this one by a point. Lamar gets his first win uh, against Mahomes and the Chiefs, 0-3 previously. Finally gets over the hump in the matchup of the, the MVPs, Lamar uh, in 2019, Mahomes in 2018. So, um, you know, it's interesting to watch this rivalry unfold as, as the years go on. But Lamar finally on the board, even though, man, this should have been – this one should have belonged to the Chiefs again. Uh, you know, we can get deep into it. Yeah, the defense has issues. Uh, we've gotten absolutely gorged by the two best rushing attacks in the league in, in weeks one and two by the Browns and the Ravens. That's got to change. That's got to be fixed. But ultimately, I think we know this. the identity of this team is not in the, the run defense. And it's in Mahomes and our ability to, to, to put up points. And uh, we're in the position to, to win this game. And um, unfortunately, it was uh, – it, it, there was a fumble at the end, and, and it's it's kind of how things went. And so, um, you know, that's the bummer here. I, I, I hate to do it. I love You know I love Clyde. The listeners know I love Clyde. That's my guy, from, uh, the rook from the boot um, last year. I guess he's in year two now, but I'm putting the blame on him for this one. Uh, the identity of this team is to score points. We were in position to, to win the game, uh, and, and, you know, Clyde made a big mistake, and he knows it. Uh, he knows he's got to be better, and so I, you know I think he's he would be okay. He wants to accept blame on this because it, 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 it's his fault. Um, he knows that, and, and so all we can do is move on and be better. So uh, I will say, silver lining, despite the loss, uh, very tough one to swallow. Uh, welcome back, Tyran Matthew. Uh, yeah. Two interceptions for the Badger. Uh, took one to the house, uh, just like he loves to do. So great to see him, him um, back in the on the defense, flying around. But um, bittersweet one for sure. Yeah, definitely. I agree with everything you just said there. I think there's a good chance if, if Clyde doesn't fumble, Chiefs win that game. But I had a few thoughts about it as well. Um, thought number one, the Ravens ran all over the Chiefs. And believe it or not, the Chiefs D-line is paid 23% of the Chiefs salary cap. That is the highest uh, paid D-line wow. in the NFL. And they're getting stomped week in and week out. They can't stop the run. There's some big issues there that the Chiefs really need to fix. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, they're guys we trust. We know Frank Clark can step up and make big plays. He isn't proven that night in and night out. We know, uh, you know, there are other guys, Chris Jones in particular, who he's one of the best defensive players in the league, uh, but just not playing like it. So... Chiefs have some figuring out to do on that defensive line, especially when it comes to stopping the run. Um, so I think that can be done. Um, the other thought I had is, you know, obviously I think there's a good chance the Chiefs win that game, like I said, if Clyde doesn't fumble the ball there at the end. But 
when we were watching this game, we were wanting the Chiefs to go score a touchdown. We were saying, hey, look, there's you know a minute 45 left on the clock. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is march down the field and score a touchdown. Let's not worry about leaving time on the clock. Let's not leave this thing up to chance. Let's go down there and get get six. Um, seemed like once the Chiefs got in field goal range, their game plan became, hey, let's hold the ball. Let's run it. Let's just hold our possession, run down the clock, and kick the field goal that's going to win it. And we completely changed our offense by doing that. Instead of going to what we're good at, which is passing, which is putting the ball in the hands of the best player in the league and telling them, go out and win this game, we changed up our game plan. We tried to run the ball, and it backfired with a fumble by a second-year player who has yet to really prove himself in this league. We give him the ball with the game on the line, and it didn't work out for the Chiefs. I wish we would not have kind of switched up the way we were trying to win the game. Uh, but then the last thought I have here is you got to give a lot of credit to the Ravens, just how they played the entire game. But I think the biggest uh, decision that was made was for them to go for it on fourth down. They were at their own 30-yard line. The, the Chiefs get that. on. Uh, you know, If they turn it over, don't get the first down, the Chiefs win that game. They kick a field goal and win it. Harbaugh, Lamar, they talked about it. They said, screw it, we're going for it. Let's run it here. And they got it. Took a lot of balls to do that. A lot of respect for that Ravens team. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that was a bigger win for the Ravens than it was a, a big deal of a loss for the Chiefs. But, man, what a fun fun way to end a great Sunday slate of games. Yeah, man, I, love, I loved how you, you reframed kind of the – the, the blame on the Chiefs' loss to, to be more about kind of the play calling down the stretch. It, you are so right in terms of when the Chiefs get conservative, that's when bad things seem to happen. Believe it or not, the best form of this offense is when they're, you know, going high octane, all out, sicko mode. They're trying to score a touchdown. That's when we're the most unstoppable. It seems like that's when we make the least mistakes um, when we're decisive and, and really trying to move the ball down the field. So couldn't agree more there. Um, yeah, good one from the Ravens, uh, Harbaugh. Good, good play call. I mean, they got it all night. Why not? Uh, yeah. I don't think it took necessarily that much balls. I think everyone in the building kind of knew um, the, the Ravens were going to get that yard. But um, end of the day, he 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 still had to make the play call. So good stuff. Definitely. Well, let's move on to that afternoon slate of games, which also had a lot of wild finishes there. Let's start with this Cowboys Chargers game. I thought that was one of the best games of the day. I would definitely think of the Chargers were going to, you know, hold their own in this one. But Cowboys, man, they stuck around. They hung in there. Win it on a game-winning field goal as time expired. What would you like out of that one? Yeah, tough tough loss for the Chargers. Um, definitely left a few out there. Uh, two, two of their touchdowns getting called back. Pretty controversial calls um, from my understanding. Uh, my takeaway in this one is Tony Pollard, baby. Um, 140 scrimmage yards for the kid out of Memphis. Um, great game. He's running harder than Zeke, and it really makes me want to bring up: uh, Is Memphis running back you? <laughs> I mean, at this point in the NFL, Antonio Gibson, a starter, 
Daryl Henderson, a starter, and Tony Pollard playing like he damn well should be a starter over Ezekiel Elliott right now. Uh, Memphis, I can't. I don't think you can say the same thing about three, another college with three, three running back starters in the NFL right now. So I am. Uh, I'm awarding Memphis uh, running back you on the Point of Drew podcast this episode. Um, can't forget about D'Angelo Williams as well. Memphis, Memphis grad. He's probably in the league somewhere. Uh, we just don't know about him. So um, yeah, I got. I, I just Tony Pollard was great for me. Um, good to see Zerline get some redemption there. The, the Legatron, uh, after missing uh, two field goals and, and mixing an extra point in week one like I've never seen before. Um, <laughs> almost, yeah, sh- sh- completely shanked. It hits a 56-yarder to win this one. So um, good for the Cowboys, uh, good for Dak. Uh, he played pretty well, but um, ultimately the Chargers kind of got boned in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think the Chargers should have won this game, and I think they probably could have if it weren't for some of the calls that were made at the end of the game. But that's out of anyone's control. The calls were made, and the Chargers ended up not getting it done. Uh, and props to the Cowboys for that. I think you know the Cowboys had something to prove in this one. Uh, starting off with a pretty tough schedule after playing Tampa in Week 1. Then having to go to L.A. and play the Chargers in Week 2. Basically hungry. Um, I mean, yeah, they definitely outnumbered uh, the Chargers fans in the crowd there. But still another one on the road, um, and they really needed that win. They could not start that season 0-2, so big win for the Cowboys. Um, next game I wanted to, to hit on in the afternoon that also ended on a uh, game, game-winning game attempted field goal that was missed is the uh, Vikings-Cardinals game. That one came down to the wire. Final score was 34-33. Cardinals hold on because the Vikings miss. uh, I think it was a 34-yarder that would have won them the game, man. So uh, the woes continue for that Vikings uh, kicking team. Yeah, brutal, tough. I think it was Greg Joseph, their kicker. Yeah. Um, He misses it as time expires. Really, really tough outing. I mean, Kirk Cousins... Again, this game was a shootout from the beginning. Kirk Cousins has another one of those games where it's like, shit, is he the man? Is Kirk, <laughs> he has those games every once in a while. They're never in prime time. They're always buried somewhere like they were today. There's a bunch of other good games on, and Kirk's having a huge day. But, um, yeah, uh, t- tough L for them. Uh, Cardinals, I thought Kyler – I mean, the guy's just a video game. 400 yards passing. Yeah. Uh, and three touchdowns. Did throw two interceptions. Gonna need to keep an eye on that. That really was those turnovers are really what kept the Vikings in the game. Otherwise, they put them away. But um, <laughs> this one, it's tough again to see the Vikings on the the uh, the other end of the the stick like that. They they go down in epic fashion again. Um, welcome to the NFL, Rondell Moore. Uh, Purdue product, big game. Uh, seven catches or 114 yards and a TD. I think we'll be calling his name quite a bit more this season. Yeah, 77-yard TD, too, for more. That was awesome. But, yeah, Kyler, man, he is a video game. I know he's got the picks, but 400 yards. He had three passing TDs and a rushing TD. Um, the dude's just doing it all. Um, and speaking of video games, uh, there's a, another video game S player that was in a, in a shootout here uh, in the afternoon window. Derrick Henry goes off as the, uh, uh, the Titans come back and beat the Seahawks. What would you think of that one? I mean, Derrick Henry, it's not even just like a a standard video game player. It's like a creative player where you go 99 on every single possible physical attribute. Derrick Henry's incredible, man. I think uh, 
You know, the Seahawks really were in position to win this game. They had the lead pretty much throughout the entire game. Uh, but in that fourth quarter, you give the ball to Derrick Henry. The Titans were able to march down the field with, uh, you know, a little under two minutes left. Uh, Derrick Henry gets in the end zone to, uh, to tie things up, take this game to overtime. Uh, super exciting finish. And uh, I did not think the Titans were going to be able to get this done. I thought the, the Seahawks, you know, came out hot. You had Tyler Lockett, uh, you know, getting involved. He had a big TD. Um, and just looked like the Titans were out of it, weren't going to be able to catch up. But, man, you just got to trust Derrick Henry. Yeah, this this game, uh, great shout on Lockett. That guy just makes plays. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, this game was reminding me, it was like, almost like a microcosm of the Seahawks season last year where they start off strong and just fade down the stretch. A microcosm of Russ's career, all, all the MVP campaigns he's had, it's always – uh, you know, start hot, score early, and then kind of fade down the stretch. So we'll see if the Seahawks can can address some things and figure it out on on why they can't finish games. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. And um, you know, that brings me to another topic I wanted to uh, talk about here: the injuries that happened. Man, always seem to start happening around week two. There weren't a, a ton of super notable injuries in week one. Uh, you know, Fitz went down. Uh, but week in. two, yeah, week two is when we really saw kind of a entire onslaught of these injuries, especially at the quarterback position. Um, man, first and foremost. Yeah, I don't want to bring it up, man. I know if you need a minute, take a minute. Let me just take a deep breath here. Tyrod Taylor, man, we all know he is my second favorite quarterback in the league. Um, my, I have a clear one, two, three, Jameis. Number one, no doubt about Easily. it. Tyrod, number two, solid there in the number two spot. Number three is Dwayne Haskins. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pumped with it. We're seeing Winston out there on the field this year leading this Saints team. Crazy week one for him. Tyrod, same thing, had an awesome week one. Uh, Good week two as well. And, and yeah, if, if Tyrod does not get hurt, I do think the Texans had a real shot of, of upsetting the Browns. Yep. They were in that game. They fought. They were playing really well. Tyrod was on his game. Coley's army. Coley knew how to work that offense. Um, but, man, Tyrod uh, goes down with a hamstring injury. He just got put on IR. So he's going to be out at least the next three weeks. Um, you know, there wasn't much we really are expecting out of this Texans team anyway. But their one bright spot was Tyrod Taylor so far. They had come out and proved they're a little bit better of a team than anyone thought. And a big reason that uh, for that was because of Tyrod Taylor. So, hate to see him go down, man. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's your boy. Um, you hate to see it happen. It seems like he's always getting hurt uh, early in the year. He deserves better. So, uh, Tyrod, get, get better soon, man. We want to see you back out there. Um, his Texans were looking pretty good. It's a surprise. Something that's not a surprise uh, is Carson Wentz putting himself in harm's way. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz uh, somehow gets both angle, a- ankles injured this week. Um, we'll see what his status is as, as the week progresses. But um, the guy just doesn't know when to go down. He doesn't know when to get rid of the ball. Uh, he just seems to like to just take a beating, man. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how you really hurt both ankles. Um, I mean, that happens so rarely, but Wentz, it's just unfortunate, man. Carson's going to do it, man. It's it's one thing after another for that dude. He cannot catch a break. 
Seemed like it was a complete media circus in Philly. He wanted out of there, finally gets out of there, goes to Indianapolis where you think things are just going to calm down. He can have a good, solid organization, not have to worry about everything that was going on in Philly. Next thing you know, they're doing the, the in-season hard knocks. He's got cameras <laughs> on him 24-7. And in week two of the season, after a couple red zone turnovers, he ends up hurting both ankles and it gets sidelined. So... It's a, it's a tough run for Wentz, man. But, again, he's another guy that, that definitely needs this year to, to prove that he is a, uh, you know, starting-worthy quarterback in this league. And uh, it just sucks to see a guy like him who's trying to fight for it, you know, have to be sidelined. Yeah, tough for, for Carson hanging there, buddy. And, and speaking of uh, QBs who had a rough go at as of late, uh, Tua goes down as well for the Dolphins in the first half. Um, comes back that he – has a couple fractured ribs, uh, took a shot there. Um, looks like they'll, they'll give the keys to Jacoby Brissett, who did not look great in relief, but uh, how do you think this impacts the, uh, the Dolphins going forward? It's a major impact on the Dolphins, although we haven't seen you know Tua be a superstar by any means. Uh, he still was a, a much better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Tua would have at least put some points on the board um, and instead of making that a 35 point loss to the Bills um, maybe if he, he was able to play that full game it's only a, a 20 point loss or something closer to that number um, so at, at the end of the day it's not the biggest impact injury but Tua is a guy that you put a lot of faith in in terms of his development especially in, in year two for him you're really hoping that he's going to start really learning how to play know how to read different defenses, know how to scheme, know how to, you know, pick up on all those things that it takes, a you know, a year or so in to really start picking up on in the NFL. Um, and it sucks that he's going to be out for a while with the, that rib injury. So um, definitely unfortunate for Tua. Really a bummer to, to see Tua go down. I was excited to see um, him really make some strides in year two um, in a Dolphins offense that has weapons. So hopefully he can get back soon. But um uh, an injury that a lot of people were, were rooting for, not against, uh, uh, well, maybe not for, for the injury, but at least for the quarterback change. Andy Dalton, uh, a non-contact injury. It looked like he maybe even just faked it. Um, but he has a bone bruise on the inside of his knee, leaves, and, and Fields gets some, uh, some PT finally. Um, the crowd goes crazy in Chicago. Fields comes in. Doesn't look great, but um, ends up getting the win. Uh, Justin Fields, NFL debut. Thoughts? Uh, it was all right. I mean, nothing too impressive. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, I wasn't expecting too much more from Fields. He got the win, did what he needed to do to uh, get that first win of the season for the Bears. He's going to be handed the job moving forward. He is the Bears starting quarterback in week three. Um, so d despite some of the things we saw in week two, there were some ups and some downs for him. But I think week three, this coming week is when we really get to learn what's going on with fields kind of uh give him his first shot to show what he can do out there um you know i think it was time for this obviously was not rooting for an andy dalton injury but was rooting to see fields crack this starting lineup so uh i think you know despite the injury happening to dalton i hope he gets healthy but i'm happy the bears are making this change at quarterback i think it's going to be good for them and, and good for their future yep so the Red Rifle is out and Fields uh, getting his first start ever next week in Week 3 in Cleveland. That one should be a fun one. I'm excited for it. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're a couple weeks in. 
Uh, it's still maybe a little too early for this, but I, I just wanted to throw it out there. Um, first coach, first coach fired. Wash. There's got to be one. There's got to be a first coach fired. It'll probably happen in a couple weeks here. Um, some teams probably turning the wrong direction. They just want to pull the plug and and reset things. Um, first coach fired. Who do you think it is, and and uh, and why? It's a tough one. I'm really not too sure. Uh, you know, on our our. Uh, NFL preview pod. I said keep an eye on Cliff Kingsbury. I think the Cardinals could be in some trouble and he could be out. What do I know? The Cardinals start 2-0. and They look unreal. That offense is, you know, dominating. Um, so th- this was a tough one for me to answer. At the end of the day, gun to my head, I'm going Zimmer, man. I think Zimmer, uh, you know, the, the Vikings off to an 0-2 start. There's been a lot of things that just aren't quite clicking. The defense is nowhere near as good as it should be. The offense is so up and down. You've got some weapons, too. You've got Dalvin Cook. You've got Adam Thielen. You've got uh, Jefferson as well. I mean, you've got the receivers, the offensive pieces. Kirk Cousins is so up and down, but he just had a great game last week um, against that Cardinals team. So uh, I really think some of the pieces are there for the Vikings, but overall they're just not getting it done. So uh, I, I think Zimmer is, you know, in a position where if he does not turn stuff around ASAP, he may be the first coach fired. Uh, the other name I would throw in there as well is Zach Taylor. Um, I, I think, you know, this Bengals team has given us a glimpse of what they can be, especially in week one with an awesome win. Uh, got it done late, but then a pretty terrible loss in week two against the Bears. Uh, that Bengals team should not be losing to the Bears. They're better than that, and they're ready to, to, to be better than that. Uh, but I do think coaching is holding them back slightly. So wouldn't surprise me if Zach Taylor is thrown into that uh, list right there. Both good candidates. Uh, Zimmer, a lot of things going wrong in, in Minnesota. And uh, Zach Taylor, I agree. I think coaching is kind of holding that team back. That's a game they got to win. Um, but on the other side of the ball, the team that did win that game, I'm, I'm, I still – I think Nagy, I mean, I don't think he's out of the woods yet. Uh, no. I think there's the Bears are still going to struggle with fields. Um, so I, I predicted him to be the first coach fired uh, before the season. I still think there's a good chance of that. But ultimately, I got to go with Mike McCarthy, man. I mean, nobody with that face shape is ever occupationally safe. And so <laughs> at this point in time, he's my pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, you make a lot of sense there. Very good points were made. I'll tell you though, who's not, who's not even close to sniffing this list is is our man David Coley, Coley. <laughs> for the Houston Texans. Takes an L in week two, but an ins- another inspiring performance. Um, the Texans, I think, should just be nicknamed Coley's Army at this point. Uh, yeah, the, the guys got that team playing hard. Absolutely, and honestly, if I'm the Texans, I'm looking into contract negotiations <laughs> to extend him already. Two games in, he has proven that he is in the elite category of NFL coaches. Um, so yeah, extend the man already. We've seen enough. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, I do think Zimmer, Zach Taylor, Nagy still in that category. And man, you're right about McCarthy face shape and all if he doesn't get this Cowboys team into the playoffs maybe even just this year he could be out the door uh so they're on all on the hot seat um the the last name I would throw in there as well guy I don't think will get fired but I think should get fired is the Jacksonville head coach Urban Meyer I've been uh you know on the hate train of, of Urban Meyer this whole time but 
an 0-2 start now for Jacksonville, and I just don't think Urban Meyer is ever going to take control of that locker room and figure out how to coach an NFL team. Um, so, so he's the last name I would throw into that bucket. Yeah, so two weeks in, uh, we'll keep an eye on the, uh, the first, first coach fired watch here going forward. Um, we're also two weeks in, and there's a few teams – um, before this season, I don't think we'd expect to be in this position right now. There's three that I could come up with. And so uh, out of these three teams, who do you believe in most and why? Uh, we'll go Raiders, Panthers, Broncos. Take your pick. I don't think any of them will make the playoffs. But if I was going to choose a team that I trust in the most, I think it's the Panthers. I think the Panthers, um, you know, they're in a tough spot in a tough division, I think. They can be better than the Falcons. They can be better than the Saints. They are definitely not better than the Bucks. But the the Panthers have proved that they are a team who is you know solid overall. They have no super weak spots. Um, I think the new coaching in there is really good. They proved it last year that they're a team that can compete in every game. They weren't winning a lot of games, but they were in every game last season and are proven already this season that they are ready to beat teams and compete. So uh, that win over the Saints this past weekend was a bit of a shocker for me. I was not expecting it. Uh, I was kind of in on the Saints, even threw some money on the Saints. Um, and that came back to bite me. <laughs> the, uh, the Panthers looked really solid. And uh, I think they're probably the team I trust most of that 2-0 and crew right now. Well, you, you know I love hearing that. I've uh, I, I been high on the Panthers before this season. Um, I think the way it's playing out is, is a little bit surprising. The, the way they beat the Saints, but um, not over this present. I mean, two words, Joe Brady, man. That guy, he wins wherever he goes. You saw him get it done in 2019 with LSU, hop to the, uh, the NFL, and, and, you know, Carolina, despite not winning a lot of games last season, pretty good offense, uh, you know, with, with Joe Brady. Matt Rule, he, he's a good kind of CEO and head coach. And um, so the Panthers got a talented uh, young defense. They got Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, I'd agree with you. I think, I think they're – a scary team, but they're not the best team, in my opinion, out of those three that I said. Um, the way I like to look at this question is, as a fan, really, who am I most afraid for the Chiefs to play? Um, what team can beat the Chiefs? What team has the best chance to beat the Chiefs? And out of the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Broncos, I think it's the Raiders. We've seen them do it before. Uh, Derek Carr, <laughs> say what you want about the guy, but he's playing at a really high level. Um, Darren Waller is a, a, a matchup nightmare. Uh, and this team can rush the passer. We've seen Max Crosby, what he's done uh, to start this year. They got Carl Nassib. He can rush the passer. Both those guys get home. Um, and so we'll see. But I, I just think the Raiders, man, I, I like what I've seen out of them. I think they scare me a little bit um, with the way they can match up with the Chiefs and, and get into shootouts and, um, and potentially win them. And I just don't have a lot of faith in Darnold getting into a shootout with Mahomes and taking him down. So I'm going to go Raiders here. Um, but I do like what I've seen out of the Panthers. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, definitely some, some good points there. And yeah, I do think some of those uh, that Raiders offense, they do kind of take some of the Chiefs' playbook and start running some of that um, offense as well. If they get some of the receivers going, get Ruggs really involved, if he pans out to be the receiver that they want him to be when they drafted him, uh, you know, that that is a scary offense. Josh Jacobs is incredible. Um, and Carr has proved that, you know, despite, like you said, despite what you think of him, he comes out and balls some weeks, and uh, they are a team who can beat anyone on any given week, so get what we, get what you're saying there. Right on. All right, last, uh, before we get into the betting corner here, um, 
last thing I wanted to go through, we'll do this every week going forward. Uh, performer of the week. Um, let's hear an honorable mention and a winner. So my honorable mention of the week for the best performance is going to Aaron Rodgers. And it's not because he did anything crazy on the field. It's not like he put up numbers that we've never seen from him before. Um, but he avoided an absolute media meltdown. Uh, if the Packers would have lost to the Lions this week, started 0-2, and Rodgers had a, a poor game, it would be the leading story on every single sports podcast, on every single ESPN talk show. Anytime you turn on some national radio sports station, it would be talking about Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know his entire situation. But he comes, he balls out 22 of 27, 255 yards and four touchdowns for Rodgers. Uh, quarterback rating over 145. I mean, a near perfect game from Rodgers. They come out and dominate the Lions as they should and uh, kind of bounce back pretty strong. I think that was huge for Rodgers, man, because if he didn't do it, it would have been a complete media frenzy and just would have caused a lot of distractions for that team. So I think he uh, definitely deserves an honorable mention there for his performance. Um, and second is my winner for the best performance of the week. I'm going with Lamar Jackson. Um, his numbers weren't insane, but more than anything, we know his story has been that he cannot beat the Chiefs. He has never gotten over that hump. He was struggling against the Chiefs, uh, but he finally gets that done, finally gets that win over Mahomes and proves that he can ball late. Uh, you know, he did have a couple bad interceptions, especially that one on the first drive that Tyree Matthew took home for six. But at the end of the day, Lamar's coming out of that game with the win, with the victory, um, and gets to say that, you know, the Ravens, they did not start this week, or this season 0-2 after a win this week, and uh, now kind of proved that they can compete in the AFC. I still don't think they're going to be a team that's there at the, you know, end of the road, but they can be anyone on any given night. They've proven that, and I think that goes a long way to, to you know, prove who Lamar Jackson is as a quarterback. I like both of those. Aaron, keeping away from the, uh, the media, even though they were down to Jared Goff and, and Dan Campbell at home after the first half. Um, good good comeback there. And then Lamar gets over the hump. Huge week for him. Uh, and a really huge career moment for him as well. Um, so I like both of those. Uh, my honorable mention for performer of the week uh, is my guy Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Um, you know, first, first start of the year. Comes back nicely after being on the COVID list. Uh, opens the game with a pick six and then you know, picks off another ball um, later on in that first quarter. So great great play from him. Uh, he had Lamar early, but Lamar gets the best of them. So that's why Honey Badger is not my winner. My winner is my guy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, you already know what it is. Pony up, baby. Stang gang. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Sutton, a big week, too. Um, nine catches for 159 yards, and, and just, the guy couldn't be a, a better dude in general. So it's great to see him returning to form after uh, that knee injury last season. Seems to be coalescing nicely with with Teddy Two Gloves. Um, that Bronco, he's he's the go-to guy on that Broncos team. So I think there's a lot more uh, big weeks to come for for Cortland. Um, but great performance in week two. He's my performer of the week. Love that man. That's a good pick right there. But let's get into some of the picks that are going to actually pay out. Let's run through our week two picks, uh, recap what, what happened in week two with some of the bets we placed. Um, 
we uh, we each picked four winners in week two. Uh, we went head to head on all of these. Um, you hit on two of them. You had the Giants and the Cowboys covering the spread. You went two and two, so you hit on both of those. And then you missed on the KC uh, spread and the Green Bay spread. Um, I went one and three, man. Down week for me. The only game I hit on was Green Bay covering ten and a half against the Lions. And they had to work uh, to do that. And they they did, yeah. The the Lions made it close at the end too. They almost had that little backdoor cover, but uh, Green Bay got it done, thank God, because I could not have gone zero and four. That would have been a rough one. Uh, but overall, that's putting you at five and three so far this season. I'm sitting at four and four, heading into week three. We've got a couple fun ones to predict here, man. Yeah, uh, per we'll be doing this every week, Thursday night. Sunday night, Monday night, and then the Sunday marquee, we'll just be selecting a game. Uh, let's start on Thursday. We have the Panthers at the Texans. I got some faith in Coley and the boys. I think these Texans can go in there and uh, and compete. But I think the Panthers, at the end of the day, they cover this seven and a half point spread. I think the Panthers end up winning this game by a little more than a touchdown. Uh, I'm picking the Panthers to cover seven and a half. It's a good pick. Uh, no Tyrod. Davis Mills will be getting the start uh, for the Texans, but you know I'm rocking with Coley's army. I love this Texans team. This David Coley-led team, man. They're going to be tough to stop on, especially Thursday night game. This just feels like Coley's time to shine. Uh, I like this team to cover the 7.5-point spread. I'm taking the Texans. All right. You've got the Texans. I've got the Panthers already disagreeing, which is what we want. Next up, the Sunday marquee. Bucks go into LA to play the Rams. The Rams are a half point favorite in that one. Which which way are you leaning? I learned long, long ago. Uh, regardless of who's on the other side, you don't bet against Tom Brady. Um, it's just a, a foolish thing to do. Uh, so I will be taking the Bucks here at uh, plus a half. It's basically a push. I'm taking the Bucks. I'm going to side with you, man. I just can't bet against Tom Brady. I think the Bucks win this one, but I think it's going to be really close. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it's just a one or two point victory, uh, but that's enough to cover. So I'm riding with the Bucks here. Who do you, uh, bon bonus question, who do you think throws more interceptions in this one, Brady or Stafford? Um, or do you think they both have a clean sheet? It wouldn't surprise me if it's a pretty clean game between them. Uh, neither of them make many mistakes, so... Uh, I, I don't see there being any more than maybe one interception throughout the whole game. I expect Brady to get his sheet dirty, uh, but still come out on, on top. All right. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Good, good. Uh, I don't know about good. Strange wording there. Um, but yeah, Brady will keep his sheet. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. All right, let's move on. Sun <laughs> yeah. Sunday Night Football. Uh, we have the Packers at the 49ers. Uh, Niners open up as three and a half point favorites. Uh, again, man, I picked the Packers to cover last week, and I'm going to ride with them again. I still have faith in Aaron Rodgers. I still have faith in the Packers team. The 49ers have looked good so far. They're off to a 2-0 start. Um, it was kind of a weird game this week against the Eagles, but the 49ers still got it done. I think they take their first L of the season on Sunday Night Football against the Packers. I think the Packers go to San Fran and win by three and a half or more. You're taking the Packers. I'm going to take the 49ers. I like. I really like what I've seen out of them. 
um, on both sides of the ball. Uh, week one, obviously playing Detroit, but still offense puts up 41 points. Uh, week two, it was all the defense. So they've, they've proved that they can get it done either side of the ball. I'm still not sold on Green Bay. For whatever reason, I think Rodgers kind of low-key hates LaFleur, and they just, I don't know, it doesn't seem like they uh, they get along all that well uh, under the surface. And so um, not not high on this Packers team at the moment, so I'm taking the Niners to cover three and a half points. Got you there. Last game, Monday Night Football, Eagles at Cowboys. The Cowboys are a four-and-a-half-point favorite there. Who do you got? It's tough. I don't want to pick against my, my guy, Nick Sirianni, but uh, Cowboys at home. Uh, Mike McCarthy knows his job's always, always on the line. Um, he's got to get W's or else he's axed, and so... Um, I'm going to take the Cowboys here to cover the four-and-a-half-point spread. I think that their offense really lights up in this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think the Cowboys get it done. Uh, I do like the Eagles, but in this type of game, you expect the Cowboys' offense to light it up, to score some points, and I'm just not convinced the Eagles can uh, can put enough points on the board to win this one. I think uh, if you want to beat the Cowboys, you've got to score you know, 24-plus and this Eagles offense has looked a little shaky, did not have a great outing against the 49ers. Um, we did have a, a Jalen Rager touchdown get called back, uh, but the Eagles finished that game, you know, only, what what they finished with? Eight points, 11 I think. points. 11 points, yeah. I mean, just not enough to get it done. So um, I'm going with the Cowboys as well. Cool. Well, that'll cover it. Um, both started out week one, three and one. Both took a step back in week two. Two and two up for me, one and three for you. We'll see what week three holds. Uh, neither of us can go 4 0. We're split 2 2 on these, so we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll check in uh, next week uh, on the count there for, for the betting total on the year. We'll also be back to break down week three. We're excited. Um, I'm hoping the Chiefs get back in the win column. Uh, lots to lots of see here. All kicking off on Thursday night. Uh, we got Coley's Army and the Texans taking on uh, Joe Brady and the Panthers. Absolutely, man. I'm pumped for it. Uh, we may need some ideas from the listeners here on what happens if we keep up with this uh, betting the entire season. If, uh, you know, what does the loser have to do? We may need to uh, put some type of punishment out there. So uh, we're open to any and all ideas. Throw them our way. But as always, appreciate everyone tuning into the podcast. Appreciate you listening to us. Thanks for riding with us. And we will be back soon. Let's enjoy week three, man. Let's get it, baby. Peace. Later.